Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. Well good morning, it's good to see you. I don't know about you but we all have many things that we're not very good at. Having a great fear of heights, climbing is something that I've never really warmed to in my life. Anything beyond a 45 degree angle and you can count me out. Abseiling with the scouts, no way. I remember very clearly being 11 years of age, stood at the top of a rock face and I barely moved five centimetres in the space of 10 minutes. Even climbing trees with friends, I was fine for the first two metres of the tree trunk. But anything beyond, forget it. At school in PE, when those ropes used to hang from the gym and others were scurrying to the rooftop, no way. I was three foot and then I'd let go and return to the safety of the ground. Even now, I'm not that great on ladders and I only climb them when I have to. Well, today, our Bible story is about a climber. Luke 19 is one of the most well-known stories in the whole of the New Testament. It's the story of a bitter little man called Zacchaeus who finds himself alone and his life is changed by the kindness and forgiveness that's offered to him by Jesus. We're introduced to the story as one of the final parts of Jesus' journey into Jerusalem before the crucifixion. Zacchaeus is one of the last people he would meet here in Jericho. We're told straight away that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector and wealthy. He made money at the expense of the working class. He had no friends. No one liked him. And yet on this day, he'd heard that Jesus was passing by and was no doubt aware of all the things that Jesus had done and said elsewhere. And so he wanted to see this man for himself. Here in line, the problem, being short, he couldn't see past the crowd who was very deep. And so, quick thinking, he got ahead of the crowd and he climbed into a tree to get a good vantage point. He climbed a tree like a little boy. I'm not so sure when Jesus said that he, those but those of us would not see the kingdom of God unless we became like little children. He was envisaging Zacchaeus's tree-climbing antics that day. As Jesus passed by, he stopped. There's no suggestion in the narrative that Zacchaeus called out to him, as others had done as Jesus has passed by in other accounts. There's no suggestion that Zacchaeus was drawing attention to himself in other way that Jesus could not have avoided him as he passed by. No, Jesus was the one that initiated the encounter. Let's be frank, Zacchaeus didn't have many invites to afternoon tea, and he certainly didn't receive unexpected visitors. And so, to have someone befriend him like this, he was more than glad to respond in a positive manner. You know what, I can understand the reaction of the crowd, I don't know about you, 
For them, his isolation, his loneliness were the result of his behavior. He wasn't nice. He exploited people. And if he was lonely, he deserved it. In their apparent justified anger, they were also being critical of Jesus. And it appears as you read it that they were to, that Jesus was condoning Zacchaeus' lifestyle to them by having tea at his house. They certainly didn't see it as an opportunity to change Zacchaeus' life as Jesus did. They resented the fact that Jesus was going to spend quality time with this rogue. As far as they were concerned, Jesus shouldn't treat Zacchaeus. They should, Jesus should have treated him with the kind of hostility and indignation that they did. Zacchaeus didn't treat them as friends. He was their enemy. So why treat him with this special invite? If anything, they would rather Zacchaeus get his comeuppance and him missing this great occasion in him being unable to see Jesus. This was sweet revenge. Zacchaeus filled them with resentment. He filled them with bitterness and anger by the way he treated them. And they wanted vengeance on him. They'd rather he got his comeuppance. Not afternoon tea. It was the good emperor Marcus Aurelius who once said, the best revenge is not to be like your enemy. Jesus wasn't interested in revenge. Hostility was not a behavior in his book. Grace and kindness were his preferred actions. And so on his journeys, Jesus often spoke about forgiveness. He liked to use parables to illustrate, illustrate the way that we should forgive. He forgave those who sinned against others. And he forgave those who sinned against him. And so in this encounter with, with Zacchaeus, Jesus saw opportunity to bring about change in Zacchaeus' life. It became an opportunity for Zacchaeus to find forgiveness. And rather than crying out, he deserves what he's getting, Jesus saw something else that he could receive. Jesus was extremely kind and merciful in the way that he forgave those who sinned against others. How many times can you recall reading in the Bible, Jesus using the phrase, your sins are forgiven in his encounter with individuals? Even more amazing, we all know the words of Jesus to those who'd sinned against him directly. You'll recall after the Roman soldiers whipped and nailed him to a cross, what were Jesus' words? He prayed, Father, forgive them. A key factor in Jesus' manner in forgiving people was that it was always intentional. The choice to forgive was an intentional, conscious choice. If you read in the dictionary, you'll read that forgiveness is often defined as an individual, voluntary, internal process of letting go of feelings and thoughts of resentment, bitterness and anger, and the need for vengeance and retribution towards someone we believe who's wronged us. Letting go. 
don't know about you, but there are times when I do find it difficult to let go. The choice to forgive somebody has to be an intentional, conscious choice, as Jesus demonstrated. The pain we feel towards someone who's hurt us can make this choice an exceptionally difficult thing to do. And in some cases, let's be honest, impossible. In many instances, it takes a long time to be able to reach this point. The American psychologist Robert Enright makes a significant comment when he says, when life hits us hard, there is nothing as effective as forgiveness for healing deep wounds. Let me say that to you again. When life hits us hard, there's nothing as effective as forgiveness for healing deep wounds. In life, how do we replace resentment? This was certainly the issue facing the crowds and their feelings towards Zacchaeus. They resented the little man. They wanted this attitude of he deserves all he gets. On the road of discipleship, we all encounter and will grapple with feelings of resentment. Some things hurt, and they hurt for days. Other times it's just for fleeting moments, an hour or two. And yet when resentment comes into our life, it can cause significant change in our mood and behavior. How do we replace resentment? Well, we look to the example of Jesus here. Instead of resentment, anger and bitterness towards a man who exploited other human beings for money, he chooses to exercise kindness. He invites himself to tea. He gave love when it was unnecessary. He could have given a powerful, condemning address, but no, he just says, I'm coming to tea. Just think about it for a moment in your own life. If we practice small acts of forgiveness and mercy, extending care when someone harms us in everyday life, this is how we can help to replace the resentment. An easy example for me, in this wonderful city of ours, I find the driving standard to be pretty appalling. I don't think I'm a bad driver, really. I think I'm quite a courteous driver. And yet when somebody cuts me in the, up in the traffic, as they often do, my immediate reaction is to ham another horn to want to draw attention to the fact that I'm not happy with the fact that they've cut me up. How about the next time that happens to me, instead of doing that, I hold off. And instead I demonstrate a small act of forgiveness and mercy. I replace the resentment I feel at having been cut off. It's a small example, but we can see how that could be replicated in other areas of life. Jesus always replaced resentment with kindness and love. For the crowd, there was a sense of entitlement to fairness. Zacchaeus was a crook. Crooks did not deserve to spend time with the Son of God. He was again stealing what was rightfully theirs by hogging Jesus' time and his presence. And their natural reaction was to start chuntering. Not only about this rogue Zacchaeus, but also indirectly about Jesus' choices. Jesus' choices. 
They felt they were entitled to some kind of revenge because of how he behaved. You know, entitlement can easily stifle our ability to forgive. We hang on to resentment as a noble cause, believing that we're entitled to have such feelings. After all, we've been wronged. Well, as the old saying goes, two wrongs don't make a right. And if we're going to people who seek to forgive others, then we've got to create a more forgiving side to the mind of heart and heart. What do the crowd do here? They start to badmouth. They start chuntering away. I understand why they're doing it. They feel there's an injustice going on. Sometimes when we are hurt, our natural reaction is to speak negatively towards others. Some would argue that this is exactly what we're seeing with the royal family going on at this moment in time just now. To make a conscious effort not to speak disparagingly about those who have hurt us is a gracious thing to do. We don't have to say good things, but we can refrain from talking negatively It helps us as we seek forgiveness that we need to bring about healing and wholeness. Forgiveness is about goodness. It's about extending mercy to those who have harmed us, even if they don't deserve it. It's not about finding excuses for the offending person's behavior or pretending that what has wronged us and caused the hurt in our life didn't happen. Nor does it remove the consequences for the offender's behavior either. A person can be forgiven, yet there are still ongoing consequences for their actions that need to be addressed or lived with. You see, an important part of our own seeking forgiveness from others, whom we've hurt, is the need to right the wrongs as best as we can. We can't demand forgiveness from others. And it's important that we're prepared for the possibility that others might not be that quick to want to give us their forgiveness. We come back to Zacchaeus here. We're told all about his reaction. And his reaction is immediately wanting to right his wrongs. He says, I'll pay back everything I've taken and more. We're not told when this happened. Did it happen as a result of the tea? Did it happen as a result of what Zacchaeus saw in the chunterings of the crowd as they're walking to his house? What we do know is without any prompting, Zacchaeus attempts to make things right. He gives back that which he's taken illegally and more besides. He demonstrates an important concept of restitution. You know, if you look up the Hebrew word for restitution, it's shalem, like shalom, but shalem, meaning repaying, making the other person whole again. In the New Testament, the Greek word conveys the idea of giving back. And this is what Zacchaeus is doing here. You know, if we are going to seek someone's forgiveness, we also need to be willing to make restitution. To give back to someone to make them whole again. 
When our actions have a great impact on someone, then restitution is not always possible. The consequences are much more personal. For example, David wasn't able to make restitution for his adultery with Bathsheba, was he? Or for murdering her husband afterwards. The consequences were much more personal penalties in his own life. And he had to endure them for a long period of time. He had to live with it. You know, for those affected by hurts, restitution just helped to restore a measure of wholeness. And I'm guessing for those people that Zacchaeus cheated out of his money, out of their money, would have been grateful to have a returning of their earnings. It would have restored a measure of wholeness back into their life. But also for Zacchaeus, this willingness to repay and correct wrongdoing restored a degree of wholeness to him too. It was evidence of a genuine repentance for all to see. He'd hurt others, but this was costly to him too and would hopefully help him to a better life going forward. So what do we make of the Zacchaeus story? How do we apply it to us today on this Sunday that we are looking at our journey into Calvary? Well, on the road to Jerusalem, as Jesus entered Jericho, he met Zacchaeus. And from a high point in a tree, Zacchaeus would encounter hope. He'd been the recipient of kindness and forgiveness that would change his life. I have to say to you, without doubt, we will experience our own suffering. We will know what it is to experience hurt. And no doubt we will contribute to cause hurt to others ourselves, whether it's that intentionally or unintentionally. When we experience these times of hurt, we inevitably gain a much more mature understanding of what it means to be humble and courageous and loving in the world ourselves. But today, we can learn from the example of Jesus and Zacchaeus. I'd like to think we can be moved to create an atmosphere of forgiveness in our homes and workplaces to help others who've been harmed overcome their suffering. Maybe there's an act of restitution you need to make today. You might determine to do it this week. You know, when we put our all on the altar, we do so because we've seen and we've received the kindness of God. We've received grace. And so doing, we receive God's forgiveness and healing. But in putting our all on the altar, in becoming disciples, we also commit to being givers of kindness and people who extend forgiveness to Today, on the road, as we encounter hope, may we be that kind of person. May we indeed commit to be givers of kindness. And may we be people who are willing to extend forgiveness to others as well. As we reflect on the story this morning, the band's going to help us as they just bring that little melody that reminds us that our all is on the altar that on this 
day of giving in an altar service, we place ourselves once again on the altar. But we place our faults, we place all that we are, we come for that cleansing, we come seeking the forgiveness of God ourselves. As we reflect, may we just receive once again the kindness and forgiveness of God into our own hearts this day.
Father God, as I have been a recipient of your grace and mercy, your kindness in forgiving me, I pray that I will also be a giver of kindness. I pray that I'll be someone who can extend forgiveness to. Lord, it's not always easy. And I do pray that you'll always give me the grace that I need to do that. I pray also that you'll give me the grace to always be able to face the consequences of my actions and do what is right, to put things right when I do that wrong thing. In my life, may it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.